Could you tell me, like, just almost like the bio of this book? You mentioned that it takes place in 2004 over the course of just that year, mostly. Yeah, I think I was probably... um, It was the first year I was in in the school called Go Lightly Educational Center. Um, And that first year, 2004, it was right after the election, and I went in there. It was sort of a late start because back then, typically, we would get started in September. Um, These days, we don't often get started until after the year, mid-semester, which is a whole other story. Um, But I went in there that first day with a a classroom of second graders, which I had never worked with quite that young of students, um, with a, a teacher who's a master uh, magician of her own by the name of Mrs. Sturgill. And magic sort of ensued out of that initial contact with these kids with a story that I came in about I was running late and I'd been you know out in the parking lot and I sort of daydreamed because that's the nature of the type of person I am. And I just sort of concocted this great fiction about this 12-legged purple octopus who was out in the parking lot riding on a unicycle and, you know, I had an encounter with it and I thought it was going to eat me and then it ended up just wanting to kiss me. So we kissed and then I said I had to go and we, I came running into the classroom armed with this marvelous tale of invention and I sort of told the students the story and they were enchanted by it and bewitched by it. Um, and as was I, as the storyteller, in a, out of that story came this great connection with these kids. Um, and they believed it without any kind of friction um, because children want to be charmed, as adults do, by the stories that we tell. So the book sort of begins with that moment um, with the 12-legged purple octopus and Mr. Pete entering the, the classroom um, armed with that story and his uh, magic pencil, as he likes to refer to it. Uh, does this chronicle then that year with this particular group of students? Yeah, the idea is that it, I sort of set out to try to capture the more of the spiritual essence of that year. You know, not a blow-by-blow, lesson-by-lesson, but just sort of how things grew organically out of that initial story and that initial encounter. Um, and then over the years, I, I did flesh it out with other anecdotal material from other schools. Once I left Go Lightly after um, a nice five- or six-year um you know, adventure there and then went off to different schools and and met uh, equally marvelous students like students at Marcus Garvey where we've worked together. And um, so I've, you know, taken the uh, hopefully the magic of that initial year at Go Lightly and have grown it. Could you read something from (laughs) a passage? I hold up my pencil for everyone to see. Look at this pencil, I say. I see them give this pencil of mine a look. It's not the most handsomest pencil in this room, I point out. There's nothing fancy about how this pencil looks, right? On the surface, I say, this pencil looks just like any other ordinary pencil. I walk around the room from student eye to student eye so that everyone in this room has a chance to see what I want them to see. Mr. Pete's magic pencil. Who wants to help Mr. Pete out, I ask. 
a flurry of hands raise up before I even say what I want help with. Look at this pencil, I say again. What words would you use to describe this pencil? I hear words like dirty, beat up, raggedy, rusty, stubby, burnt-looking, paint-chipped. The list goes on and on. It looks, one boy then says, his grin big and proud, like it's been getting chewed on by a pit bull pup. Wow, I say, thank you. Boy, oh boy, boys and girls, those are all good descriptive words to describe this pencil. I tell them next to take a look at their own pencils, many of which have smiley faces or shimmery stars or yellow pictures of SpongeBob square pants on them. Look at all those fancy-looking pencils, I say. There are some really beautiful pencils with us in this room. One girl, when she sees Mr. Pete's dirty, beat-up, raggedy, rusty, stubby, burnt-looking, paint-chipped pencil with no eraser on one end and a blunt tip of lead just barely sticking out from the front of it, offers me her shiny new pencil as a gift. Thanks, I say, but no thanks. I've got the only pencil I need, my magic pencil. I hold it up for all to see. I give it a kiss. I've had this pencil for over 30 years, I tell them, since I was in the third grade. That's a long time ago, someone says. It must be a magical pencil, someone else says. It is, I say, but it's not like how a magic wand is magical. I want them to know this. I can't tap you twice on top of your head and make you disappear into thin air. I tap one boy on the top of his head. He does not disappear. And I can't turn you into a butterfly or a bird, I tell them. And a few of them, I can see, look up at me a bit disappointed. I keep on telling them about all the things that I cannot do with my magic pencil. I can't fly, I say. I can't use it to make money grow on trees or to pull a white rabbit out of a black hat. I can't use it to dig down to China with. What can it do is the question one boy finally gets up the courage to ask. You want to know what my magic pencil can do, I ask back. Thirty heads bobble up and down. Yes, yes, yes. I raise my pencil up to my eye. I look inside.